Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. This is the Honorable Sam, a.k.a. The Chief, presiding. And I'm bringing you the special podcast series and in the can to talk Bluff City Law, the ongoing NBC series set in Memphis, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. So check out the hyphen barnburner.com for articles and other good stuff, as well as our network you can follow on any place you get your podcast. Now, members of the jury and barn listeners, let's get right into the law of the grind city. My life is a blues song. My dad and I aren't speaking because he has a secret love child who now works at our office. <laughs> My clients being discriminated against. Companies can be criminals, too. You're going to save this man's life, Jake. I want to be there when you do. Should I quit? I don't want any more secrets. Do you want to know what question's eating at me? Yes. Did Mom know? Love City Law. All right. Yeah. Well, it's another episode of In the Can. Here we are. We're talking Bluff City Law, episode two, titled "You Don't Need a Weatherman." And that's an ominous title right there. I'm joined by the bro. Zach himself, who has uh, also been watching the show, he he is a supporter of anything Memphis. Uh, naturally, he is watching Bluff City Law. You didn't join me for the first episode. I kind of did that solo. Let, let me ask you your thoughts generally, what you think so far of the show. How are you feeling uh, about the plot, about the show, about just everything? Give me give me your overarching thoughts on everything. So first first episode, I was I it wasn't packing too much of a punch. I definitely started watching because of. You know, like you mentioned, supporting Memphis. I want the show to do well just because it's cool that it's in Memphis. Wanted to see the sights and everything. Uh, I will say the plot twist at the end of the first episode. I was like, okay, there might be a little bit more to the show. And then this, the second episode, I felt really, I was a little bit more intrigued. There were several plot points going at once. Um, you know, you got a lot of overarching themes, but also some like the quick hitter inside the episode. Uh, scenarios that kind of come and go while they're still working on a whole bunch of other stuff. So I was, uh, I'm pretty interested, you know, I've, I've been pulling like everyone I come in contact with when I think of it, I'm like, Hey, did you watch Bluff city law last week? Like anyone from Memphis? Uh, my parents watched it. So, you know, that's cool. Uh, I got most of my siblings to watch it. I'm also like, Hey, do you know, there's this podcast, probably the only recap show. You should probably listen to that also. Mm. So promotion. Yeah. You know, just, it's good. What's good for Memphis is good for the barn burner also. So it's, like, so it's a closed ecosystem type deal. Mm, yeah. Closed loop system <laughs> as Tom from succession Ooh, would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, this is a, uh, the commercial appeal title of this episode, uh, barbecue, Bob Dylan, big ag and golf cart escapades. <laughs> uh, 
which I think is is fairly accurate. Now, um, this show we're, we're kind of seeing track a particular trend, and that is that we have a big case that controls each episode. You know, we have a, a some sort of lawsuit or criminal matter or whatever that the law firm itself is handling. So we see it basically from its inception to the end of the lawsuit, whether usually a trial and some sort of verdict. Now, of course, that's completely unrealistic. Usually, lawsuits take like three or four years uh, to resolve. But, you know, this is a show. So we, we have that lawsuit. And then in the midst of the lawsuit, we have kind of the personal elements of what's going on. So in this situation, we have Sydney and Elijah, the father-daughter duo main character. They have a lot going on. You know, she's pissed because he philandered around on her mom, and then she just figured out she has a secret brother and all this sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, this, it, it, we're seeing the show kind of get more and more into that plot. Um, you know, this episode, there it was. it's titled, You Don't Need a Weatherman. It's a Bob Dylan reference. Uh, it's a, it's an obscure line in subterranean homesick blues. Um, the next part of the line is to know which way the wind blows. I really honestly don't understand what relevance that has uh, to this particular episode. But I guess, we know that- I guess the, maybe the wind blowing is talking about the seed blowing to the, onto the other farms or the fertilizer. Yeah. It- that's yeah, I guess. I guess it's sort of a literal reference, but not like obviously Dylan was referring to you can anticipate things before like they actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but, you know, whatever. I'm not here to talk about the uh, the literary meaning or metaphors behind the writers of the show. Um, but we have this, you know, Masanto Corporation tempted to foreclose on all these farms because they have some seed that they patented that essentially blows in other farms. And once the you know, it's some complicated like sort of fraud case or whatever. Of course, our boys, Straits and Associates, are representing the little guy, you know, the farmers uh, in this instance. And we ended up finding out the owner of this place is a, uh, a criminal and they're sort of like threatening witnesses and uh, controlling evidence behind the scenes and all that stuff. So we have a you know, little farm on a fight against big agriculture. So, you know, they, they, we what do you think of uh, lawyer, the main character, Sidney Strait, portrayed by Caitlin McGee so far? So far, I think, you know, she's pretty good. She does a good job, uh, I think, making Elijah feel uncomfortable for, like, all that he, I guess, has put her through so far. Uh, But she's definitely, like, a very clever character. You know, that's how they made her out to be, like, she's obviously, like, the main part of the show, the person that you're supposed to feel the most attracted to, to, like, have the best connection with. And I think she really does a good job with that. Um, I just think it, one of the interesting scenes is when her um, her half brother is this Emerson is that his name? Yeah. When he comes in Emerson. and he's like, "Hey, should I quit the firm?" He's like, "This is really uncomfortable." I asked Elijah about it, but I want to talk to you. And she's like, "No, you should stay." She's like, she kind of feels bad for. I don't know if it's for making a big deal out of it because it is, you know, a big deal. But she has a soft spot in her heart, even though she's like really tough on the exterior. Yeah, I think that's right. She she really is like a pretty feisty character. Um, most of her scenes are are intensity driven and not as much about um, those emotional moments. And when those emotional beats happen, when she kind of reveals her inner self, like those are that much more meaningful because she rarely does it. Uh, so it, it's a good, it's an interesting character. I don't know if one that we've seen a lot of necessarily in these sort of courtroom dramas. Uh, but you know, let's talk about kind of the B plots. So you got like an A plot lawsuit, then you got a B plot. And in this episode, we are we're already in Memphis Barbecue. 
Like they, oh, they, yeah. they blew their load in episode two. It's like, dude, I mean, like I, I feel like it, it's, it's what we're known for to such an extent that it's like almost kind of a parody of itself. Uh, cause, cause I don't really like feel that it's, it's that important to our culture. It's just a thing that we eat, you know, but I really don't know if it permeates our culture. Good food does. But it's not necessarily barbecue itself, you know, like soul food does. So, you know, kind of be- bleeding into our Bluff City sites, our Memphis locales, we get a uh, early shot of um, uh, Blue City Cafe. Of course, at the corner there of what is that Beal and Second? Second, yep. yeah. And we know the site of uh, Steph Curry mm-hmm. um, when he plotted the he plotted the downfall of the 2015 Memphis Grizzlies and just sipped on a sweet tea and ate some green beans, probably and single-handedly destroyed his baby-faced assassin. Uh, but this time we see our, our two lawyers, Jake, and, um, God, what's that guy's name? What's the, uh, what's the black dude's name? Oh, man, I had it pulled up. Oh, gosh. Anthony. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, they're sitting there enjoying some sloppy, like literally the sloppiest I've ever seen anyone eat ribs. Yeah, they're like, like holding like, their no hands above ribs. their head and like. Yeah, <laughs> the tie sling I get. That's a, that, I've seen that before. I've seen the tie sling before. So let me say pretty accurate but like i like they were eating ribs like sloppier than anyone like would ever eat ribs ever like they're smacking their lips and like like slobbering into the boom mic that's surely above them and you know i, I guess to like emphasize like the wet rib thing but i was like damn people don't human beings don't eat ribs like this my dudes you know you guys need to dial it back a little bit you know let's let's not we're not, we're not we're carnivores here we're not savages yeah. like we still eat with reasonable manners uh, i just wanted to point that out um you know like so they're 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 got a good barbecue lawsuit here right you got two brothers i don't know if they're real the real owners i would love the fact that those guys were really the co-owners of uh blue city cafe but we have a debate over who created the barbecue sauce because one of the brothers wanting to venture out and create his own franchise and the other brother is saying i i came up with the barbecue sauce man i came up with a secret ingredient which is cinnamon no i'm just kidding cumin Nice. No, who put cinnamon in there? <laughs> their barbecue sauce. People from one Boston, man. Yeah, man. Jake, don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. Go back and enjoy more titles up there in Bean City, Bean Town, or whatever. Um, so we got that going on. We got this kind of like <laughs> barbecue intellectual property lawsuit going on between two brothers. It turns into a breach of contract. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, so I, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't talk about, though, the one quick scene between Jake and sydney uh and when they're sitting on his i assume i think it's his apartment where is that like physically in memphis where is that or yeah what, or what, where are they what supposed to be it? at where are they supposed to be i guess um i don't know all i know he makes it clear that he sits out there several times at very specific times during the week so that women can walk by and like ooh and ah at how handsome he is yeah um not bad you know not bad for jake I, okay, so so which bars do we think Jake goes to? I think um, oh, that's good. I think Jake I think Jake goes Ten to one hundred percent. Oh, well, I was going to say he's one hundred percent a silly goose guy. Oh yeah, uh, right. I think he sits at the bar at Silly Goose and crushes Red Bull vodkas, uh, and then mentions that he's a lawyer within like the first ten seconds of talking to any chick because um, he's the rainmaker, you know. But then starts at Silly Goose, and then when he's like nearly blackout, he migrates over to uh, migrates over to Ten Roof, obviously. 
Tenriff or uh, Jerry Lee, kind of depending on what kind of music yeah, he's got, trying to get into. Depending on yeah, depending on what's going on at either one. Like <laughs> he's more of like a, a rave guy though. If the if the rave music gets going, he'll pop a Molly in the bathroom and then um, be. But he'll be at work on Monday. Damn it, he'll be representing the the guys in jail with DNA t- or yeah DNA tests and saving them. Yeah, that whole the whole applesauce guy. I'm curious to see like where that goes. I kind of. It's hard for me to pay attention when that, yeah. that plot's going on. I don't know if that... Yeah, I don't really care about that. The teacher yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it was solved. You know, in this episode, we get he gets a DNA report back, and it says he's, it could not have possibly been him. But yeah, there's got to so be like something Episode else. two. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he really did it or something. But yeah, I really don't care about that little plot line. I, I get they're trying to take a Rainmaker and Jake, douchey Rainmaker, and turn him into like the, you know, like the defender of what's right, you know, the, the wrongly convicted criminal. Uh, family man they're kind of trying to defy his sort of normal character arc but uh just don't really care when those scenes are on did you notice the scene where they're meeting at the uh straight and associate office with the the two barbecue brothers and jake like comes in late and he's like got this like piece of crap like steno pad that he clearly would never use not even like a pad folio just like a like four sheets left on a steno pad rolls in there and is like, Oh, sorry, I'm late. I'm trying to learn from the best over here. Like clearly just mm. like mocking the whole like smirking because like how lame is it? He's thinking that like these guys are suing each other about barbecue sauce, like clearly just like condescending in his head. Yeah. Come on, Jake, you know, any client's a client. You as Raymaker should know that. And also, uh, I mean, I will say that the, the steno pad's a, a fairly often used object in a law firm. Uh, you know, a lot of people think legal pads or whatever, mm-hmm. but sometimes the steno pad's a more easily carryable object. So that, that didn't totally throw me off. But yes, act like complete douche to our, to our guy, Anthony, who, uh, who really, as we found out, just wanted to teach a lesson. You know, <laughs> he's just trying to teach a lesson about brotherly love. He's trying to teach a lesson about how, you know, the greatest things in life we're, ne- we're always toppled down by two people, family debating against each other and tearing it apart from within. You know, we see this in many times in history. Uh, and, and apparently we see this with Blue City Cafe as well. So Anthony was able to talk him off a ledge. Also, that was not the, the site of a barbecue restaurant. I believe that is the site of w- the future one Beale they stood in front of. I believe that was on Beale Street when he's standing in front of the uh, wreckage or the, uh, the demolition, uh, explaining to the brothers that, there's, that they shouldn't fight each other. I believe that is the site of one Beale. From barbecue shop to massive hotel office space. Exactly. So, you know, and then we get, you know, we get the, uh, the guy that comes and, and tries, to, tries to rake Eli- our boy Elijah over the coals uh, in the middle of the night. You know, I guess the, the hired gun of the agricultural company Ooh. shows up and Elijah, you know, runs out there and says, you know, I'm from South Memphis, oh, right? Yeah. And then has a nice little combo. He's got a nice, you know, jab hook jab with the knee combo there at the end. Uh, so he, I don't necessarily know if that's how they fight in South Memphis, but I do know that he has probably been to a kickboxing gym or two uh, based on what I saw. And he takes this guy out. And not only is Elijah a threat in the courtroom, but he's a threat in the, uh, in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> don't, you know, hey, if you come talking that shit to him, you better be ready to rumble. You know, he's, he's, in, he's in the about that life crew as some people in the NBA would say. Yeah, he just, like, goes up, slams the dude head into his face. At, yeah, yeah, so the pharmaceutical company has people tailing um, tailing Sydney, 
and they intimidate all the farmers that they try to take over their farm. So that that's where Elijah catches on to that, calls her ex-husband. I feel like he's very involved with her ex-husband. Didn't he reach out to him the last episode too? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so he sh- He must still really like him. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the classic, you know, father likes the girlfriend's boyfriend they break up but he still kind of hangs out with them you know we've seen that before yeah and jake's yeah. clearly jealous because he literally always brings it up he's like you're still in love that's your ex-husband yeah, yeah. So like there's gonna be a little you love broke his heart there. didn't you yeah we think you know if jake could ever get out of get his ass out of silly goose <laughs> and into some damn wholesome activities <laughs> so you know let's do like some some of the categories here you kind of brief the plot um, Bluff City Sites. This is a moment we see in the show where we see real life, uh, real life moments and settings from Memphis. We've already talked about a couple. Where do you think the uh, golf scene was filmed? What what golf course do you think that was shot at? Mm, that's a good question. Chickasaw Country Club. Uh, so I now ha- having never spent much time in the links myself, I can't attest to what hole that was at. Uh, but no, it was apparently shot at Chickasaw. Uh, where we see Caitlin McGee, aka Sydney, drive the golf uh, cart like Mad Max Fury Road across the the, uh, the the greens. You look, you look, you look speculative. You look doubtful. You don't think it is? Uh, no, if you say it is, I I believe you. I was yeah, just thinking about like reading. that scenario of just like someone coming and stealing your cart with like several thousands of dollars worth of golf clubs on it, and just being like, "I'll be back," or like, "I really need to do this. It's okay." I don't think people would, like, I don't think that would fly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't steal a golf cart from Elijah. I'll tell you that. He'll show you some of that in South Memphis. He'll beat your ass, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, he will. So, we already talked about Blue City. Another rum, Cafe. another rum boogie. Rum boogie. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, like. Uh, Getting some good pub from this yeah, show. Yeah, seriously. I wonder what, what the deal with rum boogie here. I want to know the inner office dealings here because no one goes there. I mean, not that I know of. You know anyone that goes there? They not have, like, no. there's no one that like, hey, that's the bar I'm going to go to. I have been yeah, there like, one time. Yeah, I mean, I've been there. Yeah, th- but yeah. like, you know, there's probably not a bar I've not been to really, like, at one point or another. But yeah, like, so here's the scenario. There are like two gals out on the town, you know, like, uh, and, and she's like, you know what? I'd love to go rum boogie. Like, <laughs> like, no, dude, like, no way. They're probably going to the wine bar and drinking Chardonnays or something. <laughs> or like, uh, you know, like, a, so, I don't know. No, but not Rum Boogie. Like, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But I will say the legal community does not really congregate there. Yeah, and her, mm. her friend, like, holds her back. She wants to, like, sleaze on this dude. Her friend's holding her back. And, yeah, she's trying to spit that game, dude. And she's like, that won't make you feel better. I she mean, probably a like, good friend. She doesn't talk yeah. like the Dark Knight, but. No, she doesn't. But uh, we get the tone, kind of the uh, the ominous warning friend tone mm-hmm. uh it's important to have friends like that everyone make sure you get a friend that you know that loves you and make treats you right and takes you holds you back from situations that may ultimately be destructive to you contract on the back of a menu is we're kind of moving into to bluff city beefs uh it is a it is it is likely valid um you know it's still to elements of a contract or offer acceptance and consideration they clearly both read that wrote it out signed it uh, and so therefore it would be valid except for, and I don't know this, that a, a nickname apparently does not count as legal signature. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I would say that probably wouldn't hold up, but you know, this is of course a legal show. We can get away with some dramatic bullshit, uh, in a, in a, in a case. I would think that the intention is still clear, right? Rather, whether he signed it a different, 
I mean, what does a signature mean anyway, right? A signature, you can hardly read that anyway. Like, I, yeah. you can barely read that mine says. Like, wh- who cares what he, like, as long as he acknowledged it with his, like, his mark, I think that's what's more important. Uh, at least that's what I would argue anyway. Yeah, and it's not um, like they're debating, like, I mean, they, they were, they're both acknowledging that they were there when that was signed and, like. Yeah, they that, both acknowledge the existence of the contract, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know, unless there's some real strong case law out there, I guess Anthony knows better than me. Um, those are some real courtrooms there. So they, 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 the first episode they shot in what, uh, as a set, um, and the, the courtroom they shot, the agricultural case here was a legitimate courtroom in the Shelby County civil courthouse, uh, which I thought was cool. You know, good to see, good to see them getting like the real shots of the interior there. Um, now the court of appeals, you know, where they initially go and get a, their ruling affirmed. Um, by the three judge panel there. Now that wasn't the real court of appeals, I don't think, but uh, but they're you know, they're showing the different levels of Tennessee courts, which is kind of cool. Uh, there, there's a lot of judge talking here. There's a lot of like, let's go back in the judges' chambers and and like have a conversation, you know, have a fight with the judge. That really didn't happen as much. Like it's that's like a super rarity. Uh, most discussions are going to happen in a live hearing because um, that kind of seems like sketchy, right? If all the parties walk mm-hmm. out with the judge and then suddenly. The whole case is thrown back to the jury. It's like, well, what happened? Yeah. You know? Um, so that was interesting. But otherwise, like, you know, seen, the episodes seem to be on the up and up. Any sort of Bluff City revelations you had about this episode or anything you're looking forward to going forward? Hmm. I, I'm curious to see, like, the whole, like I mentioned, the I think the love triangle with Jake. Like, what Jake's an interesting character to me. He's, like, the guy from out of state, from the northeast, uh, down here to... You know, he seems kind of like the misplaced person in that cast of attorneys. He makes a comment early on at Bluff City, or at Blue City, sorry, about how Anthony's, like, from here, so he knows everything, and, like, how he's the guy from from out of town. So, he, but he's still, like, an intelligent guy and everything. And I'm uh, curious to see, like, if he gets more embedded in the Memphis culture or kind of what happens with him. And also where the yeah. applesauce thing goes. What the heck? That, that just Who knows? Who can say? Uh, the next episode, episode three, next Monday night, titled 25 Years to Life. Uh, so it's kind of a, an ominous situation. I think we'll delve more into that criminal case, probably by the, the feeling of that title. The first episode garnered 4.61 million viewers, which is uh, pretty good. And I read, you know, very competitive with respect to the other network dramas that were going on at the time. Top top five, you know, usually second or third ranked in terms of viewership. Uh, so that's good. So maybe we'll you know get that full 16, 17 episode season and, and keep it rolling. It's great for the city. Um, it's uh, it's actually the showrunner is a guy by the name of Dean Gorgaris who wrote the pilot. I think he might have wrote this episode too, but he wrote like Manchurian Candidate uh, with the remake with uh, Denzel Washington. He's written some like pretty big Hollywood features uh, in addition to his TV work. So he's you know like a solid screenwriter and force in the industry so it's good to have someone like that back in your show is what i'm saying um so we'll look forward to the the rest of the season um but but you know as sydney said my life is a blues song zach and it's not even a good one until next uh, until next episode y'all keep on watching bluff city law Won't you look down over me? Yeah, I got a first class ticket, but I'm as blue as a boy can be. Then I'm walking in Memphis.
Walking with my feet ten feet off a beam Walking in Memphis But do you 